Hello there, this is Dr. Casey Bradley, and you're listening to the Real P3 Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the real pork producers around the world. I hope you enjoy. This week, we're visiting Ireland with a pig producer, Colin Twomey. Him and his father own about a 200-head farrow-to-finish operation in Southern Ireland. And he's also pursuing a PhD in the economics of removing zinc oxide from nursery diets and how that will impact the Irish pork producers. Well, hello, Colin. How are you today? I'm very good, Casey. Thanks. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. So thanks very much for your kind invitation um, to talk on the, the P3 podcast. Um, I think it's a brilliant initiative and I wish you well with it in the future. So I'm 25 years old. I am living in a part of the world called County Cork, which is right down the, the southern tip of the Republic of Ireland. So in partnership with my father, uh, we currently run and operate a 200 sow uh, strong herd. Uh, which is basically an integrated, fully integrated farrow to finish unit. Essentially, all pigs that we sell to the factory are brought from birth through weaning right up until they reach the, the prerequisite slaughter weight. So it's a completely closed herd. Um, we bring in no pigs from the outside onto the farm, uh, which is probably critical for, for biosecurity, which is at the forefront of of everything we do um, on our farm. In terms of genetics, we run the maternal line um, as a land race, uh, F1 hybrid cross with the large white, which would be fairly typical um, of the the kind of the maternal uh, lines which are operated here in Ireland. uh, And the terminal line, um, which is probably typical in Ireland as well. So all pigs being sold to the factory um, are a Duroc breed. Um, So for about the past year, We've been using uh, Danish Jorok as the, the terminal line here um, on our particular farm. So my father originally set up the farm uh, back in 1994. He set it up as a fattening unit, um, which he ran for four or five years until he had, the, I suppose, built up the experience and capital, um, able to turn the farm into the farrow to finish operation with today. Uh, so he started out with 100 and it was brought up to about 150 by 2010. And we've currently been doing a lot of work on the farm uh, to bring it up to the current uh, 200 sows, uh, which we operate on the farm today. Just a quick bit about myself. I was always interested in agriculture from an early age. I suppose, obviously, being born and raised on the pig farm. I was always interested in the, the swine industry in particular. But a lot of my uncles and cousins had uh, dairy and beef, which, again, would be fairly typical for here in Ireland. It's um, it's a pretty big uh, agricultural country. So I went on to study animal and crop production in University College Dublin. I graduated in 2017 and um, I only ever had a, a very vague idea kind of career-wise of what I wanted to do uh, on leaving college insofar as I always wanted to, to go on to work in the agri-industry or the, the food and beverage industry. However, I suppose whatever I did, I always wanted to, to stay active and involved um, on the, the family uh, piggery at home. So I spent the bones of three years uh, working for Kerry Group, uh, which would be kind of a food ingredients and dairy processing company here in Ireland. And after that, uh, I went to work with Chagas, essentially because Chagas are probably more involved in the, the agricultural advisory and, and research side of things, which is what I was primarily interested in. So I was working with them for six months at the start of this year. 
and it was while I was with Chagas. I was in Moor Park one day. Now Moor Park would be Chagas's research pig, pig research unit where they do a lot of the uh, the research and um, intervention strategies that they run. An advisor who was telling me about different PhD opportunities that were coming up with Chagas. I always love to make meet someone else who has a very similar background. Your story is a lot like mine. We grew up on the farm. And now, you know, we have that ambition, I guess, to advise and help, but never lose touch with where we started. And so that's kind of exciting. And the whole reason of the real P3 is to reconnect with producers. So I think this can kind of start out in our um, discussion, but tell me about what you're studying and why you're passionate about it. Sure. So um, the PhD uh, title is uh, Economic Modeling of potential intervention strategies used to replace zinc oxide and reduce antimicrobial usage on Irish pig farms. Uh, actually, the PhD is a part of a larger overall project which is being conducted here in Ireland at the minute uh, titled Pig Nutri-Strat. So it's a multidisciplinary project um, involving nutritionists, microbiologists, um, bioeconomic modelers and so on. And it's run by University College Dublin um, and Chagas and it's also been run in collaboration with the Department of Agriculture here in Ireland. Vets are involved, uh, processors and, and obviously primary producers are uh, majorly involved as well. So the overall aim of the of the study is to develop solutions, I suppose, to prevent and manage diseases in, in pigs as a means of eliminating the need for, for zinc oxide and antimicrobial usage. We aim to do this through a number of means. I suppose the primary ones would be investigating improved biosecurity and management practices in the farrowing and weaner houses, also through management and nutritional strategies uh, during lactation and gestation of sows. And there'll also be a focus on post-weaning nutritional strategies. And I suppose just where my part of the PhD comes in is economic info is going to be gathered at all proposed intervention stages. Um, and the aim then is to, the overall aim is to quantify the benefits um, of reducing reduced zinc oxide and antimicrobial usage through, I suppose, the reduced antibiotic costs and the reduced zinc oxide costs and also the improvements that can be gathered, I suppose, on farm as a result of probably using an overall holistic strategy to reduce zinc oxide and antimicrobial usage um, on, the, on the pig farms here in Ireland. Well, um, I love to hear holistic and a multifactorial approach and your piece of the puzzle is probably the most important because most of us researchers, when we like to think of solutions they're not economical to implement. So I'm not familiar with the regulations in Ireland as so much as the EU. What is the maximum amount of zinc oxide that you can feed or what, I mean, are you targeting that reduction? Is it a legal or, you know, voluntary reduction today? Yeah. So at the minute, Ireland would essentially follow the, the EU guidelines, which is 2,500 parts per million. Uh, that's the upper limit um, of zinc oxide inclusion um, in, in pig feeds. Um, that requires a prescription, correct? Exactly, yeah. yeah. You will need a, a prescription from your, from your vet um, to acquire that in the feed. So what's happening at the minute is back in 2017, uh, the European Commission decided that due to environmental reasons, zinc oxide, uh, which was 
obviously being passed out in the, the feces of pigs was going into the slurry and this was being spread on the land, which was re- resulting in a lot of runoff and possible damage into to waterways and the environment. The European Commission decided in 2017 that they would give countries five years to, to basically implement strategies before they would reduce the amount, the upper limit um, of zinc oxide inclusion in pig feeds down to a level of 200 parts per million. So basically from 2022 on, uh, we're going to have to operate piggeries here in Ireland and throughout the EU, only including 200 parts per million um, in pig feeds as an upper limit. So it's a it's a major reduction. Are the producers ready for it or haven't they found those solutions yet? I suppose just talking and anecdotally, some people would have implemented strategies. However, I still feel that there is a lot of work that needs to be done, particularly in the creep, say, wiener link stage one diets, a lot of producers here in Ireland wouldn't have done work to be ready for that. I suppose after stage one, the stage two wieners, producers would have done more work uh, in that regard. I, t- I still feel that the major challenge is going to be in the reduction of the, the zinc oxide levels um, to the stage one wieners. Um, I suppose just talking about our own farm a small bit, uh, some work we've done for the wieners in stage two since the start of june uh, we have taken out the zinc oxide and we are including a kind of a clay mineral it's called kaolinite so we've managed to eliminate the the need for zinc oxide i suppose at therapeutic levels uh, by replacing it with this kind of clay mineral i suppose just from our own experience we found it to work very well um in the stage two wiener feed so our next step now is to, to try and implement it at the stage one uh, phase we found that the the pigs don't really suffer any setback from it uh, you wouldn't think that they weren't on zinc oxide they seem to grow and thrive as well as if they were on the zinc oxide you would notice their dung is passing a bit more loosely um, I was going to say, from... there's going to be poop watchers, Colin, as in my <laughs> world. <laughs> definitely, definitely, yeah. So you, you probably would know in terms of that, that zinc oxide has been taken out. But in terms of performance, um, we we, not, we don't notice any difference. So our next uh, step now, I suppose, and probably for the industry as a whole here in Ireland anyway, is to, to do a lot more work trying to trying to eliminate the need for zinc oxide in the, the stage one feeds where they would be essentially getting creep and mink. I'll just kind of, from my experiences, being a fresh PhD out of school, you know, it never failed if pellet quality changed, you got a phone call. But if poop changed, the color, the texture, you got a phone call. And, you know, it was really interesting talking to some of my friends that worked for the integrated market versus a feed company. And a lot of the formulations that I designed for a feed company was to Um, Not only have the pigs perform well, be cost effective, but to maintain the ideal, as I call it, poop texture or feces texture. And I think you'll get a kick out of this. One of these studies I ran in graduate school, we tested alfalfa. And it, as I tell everybody, it looked like Chicago for St. Patrick's Day parade. (laughs) The whole room was green. So you know, <laughs> diarrhea does cause issues. And, you know, what is your thoughts on managing pigs? Because if you have loose stools, the facility gets dirtier, the pegs get dirtier. You know, you're not seeing a performance difference, but are you seeing other things flare up, injuries, slips, lameness from some of this stuff that maybe because we have more wet feces in that barn, is there other issues 
coming up in in your system besides just performance? One thing I suppose that we probably have noticed, Casey, is that the odd pig in a pin, I suppose I'm talking maybe one in every 200 roughly now or something like that, probably wouldn't thrive as well as the rest of its pin mates. So essentially what we have to do is we have to, as soon as we spot it, we have to take this pig out um, of the pin. And we have we now have to set aside one or two pins in the, the stage two wiener house um, where these pigs go in and they go back on a link diet for approximately seven days until they probably come back up to a condition whereby we can move those pigs on to the, the next stage. So like that, it it wouldn't really be an issue in, in terms of lameness or anything like that. But I've certainly heard my father say that it's, it's something that he's never seen in the pigs when they were on zinc. They all seem to do as well. I suppose it is taking more time for us in between moving pigs from stage from the wiener stage into the fattener stage. We have to go back and we probably have to spend more time cleaning out those pins then as a result of the of the dung being a bit looser just to ensure that that the pins are probably ready uh, for the next batch of pigs to come into so like that when you're replacing the zinc it's probably going to be more labor intensive however it's probably a trade-off in terms of of pig performance when you're when you're trying to implement new strategies like you know do you plan on putting some of that into your economic model because I can tell you smart phds coming up with solutions um have never power washed and cleaned a hog barn and so you've cleaned a hog barn and you've power washed. So I hope you uh, yeah. consider some of that in your in your thesis and dissertation. So yeah, exactly. Um, I suppose I probably have the benefit of kind of being on on both sides of the fence or the wire here, kind of when I'm when I'm conducting research or carrying it out. So I can tell you there's there's a lot of work in between moving batches, especially if you're on about 20, 30 wiener fins in a barn. So yeah, it's it's definitely um, labor is, is something that's probably not always considered, but it's definitely going to be something that I'll be focusing on when uh, when I'm considering any any potential strategies. Now you've probably ran enough. It's October, so about four months worth of pigs on this system in your unit. Are those pigs catching back up that your dad's pulling out at seven days, or are those always going to be the the fall behinds that are you know behind the rest of the group? Well, what we find is. They probably are set back a couple of days. However, once we pull them out and they're on the, the link diet for those few days, they do seem to to catch up pretty quickly to the to the rest of their say their their pin mates that they would have been in with. So I suppose you're just kind of they will perform as well, but they're going to take those probably seven days longer to reach the the slaughter weight the rest of their pin mates. And have you done any diagnostics on those pigs to see what's flaring up in in that specific type um, of pig? We haven't, Casey. My father maintains it could be kind of similar to, to something like ileitis. However, we, have, we haven't done anything as such like that on, on the farm yet. Um, probably something to consider for the future. Yeah, that's probably maybe even a little young, I would think, for ileitis because the producer I'm working with here is you know, vaccinating for ileitis around seven to eight weeks post-weaning. Mm-hmm. Your, when is this your phase two start? I suppose so. We're weaning, or we're weaning at twenty-eight days of age, so approximately four weeks. They're in stage one for about another three to four weeks, and then they're going across into stage two. So they're probably about eight eight weeks of age when they go into stage two. They'd then be spending approximately six weeks in stage two, and then they're moved on to the finisher barns where they're staying for approximately another six to eight weeks. And that's uh, like twenty-five hundred parts per million in that stage two. If we were feeding zinc oxide into stage two, yeah. Mm. Cause that's a little later than I guess, traditionally I'd be running zinc oxide. 
Um, mm-hmm. In my diets here with a 21 day old wean pig, we're probably pulling those out four to five weeks post weaning. I, I do know some people keep it in all the way through that six to seven week post weaning as well. But uh, it's yeah. just interesting, even with an older pig, the benefits of zinc oxide. So seven days later to pharaoh, or not later to pharaoh, I apologize, later to slaughter, yeah. what kind of economic impact does that have for a producer? Is it a dollar a pig? Is it 50 cents a pig? Have you kind of penciled that out of those types of consequences that, that your system's facing? It's estimated that every day uh, further to slaughter comes in at about €2.50 a pig. So if you were talking, say, approximately one pig in every 200, it's probably not too consequential for us because of our size. However, if we were to, to scale it up to um, to a larger uh, finisher or sorry, sow unit, it would be definitely something that, that they would probably have to consider. So that's what we find just with our, our costs on the farm anyway. Now, is your system completely confinement? Uh, it is, Casey, yeah. yeah. All in yeah. That's probably fairly typical for the, the setup in Ireland. I'd say 99.9% of, of commercial farms in Ireland would be ran as um, as all indoor kind of intensive units. So, you know, the, the debate in the U.S. for zinc oxide is that the nursery portion is, you know, a small amount of our uh, manure in a lot of our barns have gone to wean to finish. So if we look over the overall lifespan of that pig, are you guys allowed to kind of change your mindset around that or is it just a flat out we have to go down to 200 parts per million or is it an average throughout that pig's life that you can balance that so i think how the eu are approaching it is that 200 parts per million in any type of feed that you're you are going to be giving to a pig at any stage is going to be the upper limit so essentially at any stage if you're feeding a pig creep link uh wiener finish or whatever it is at uh, 200 parts per million is is going to be the the maximum amount say that you can include in that feed so typically we'd find that uh 3.1 kgs of of feed per ton um is what's being put in uh to creep and link diets um at the minute here in ireland and that's the 200 uh, two and a half thousand parts per million upper limit so a lot of fellas are using the upper limit um, at the minute it's not even a case of of probably reduced amounts of zinc in in the creep or the link but 200 parts per million is is what the european union uh, commission has decided is, is going to be the upper limit for for all types of feed um that can be used in in piggeries i think that's good let's just kind of take a break from pigs we want to get to know you more as a person so does you have any fun things interesting facts or hobbies besides pigs because it sounds like you're just like me and we live and breathe and die the, the swine industry. <laughs> yeah, um, I suppose pigs pigs definitely do take up a, a large proportion of my time. However, I do I do try and take a bait from it every now and again, if I can get away from my father, that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I saw your article on Pig Progress, actually, about, about your father, um, just mm-hmm. basically everything he did to, to kind of inspire and interest you in pigs. And I, I think my father is probably the same, so... You can probably understand how pigs take up a large portion of your time, all right? Mm-hmm. But um, uh, my husband yeah, reminds um, me, you know, sometimes that I have to refocus my attention elsewhere too. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even up in the house, a lot of the, the decorations and ornaments could be of small pigs or little statues or things like that. So it's <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, no, I, I do have a lot of interest outside of the pigs as well. So I'm very um, sporty. Um, I like to enjoy uh, keeping fit. Um, so we have two national games here in Ireland called uh, Gaelic Hurling and Gaelic Football. So I play and I'm involved um, in the local club with both of those. So I suppose just to explain them, um, Gaelic football is a lot like soccer, except you can catch the ball and uh, kick it. So it's it's kind of like Australian football, I suppose, um, in a way, if it, if it makes it easier to picture it. Gaelic hurling then is a bit harder to explain. It's, um, it's, it's kind of like a cross between hockey or lacrosse. Um, except you you catch the ball in your hand and you basically hit it uh, with a stick. So it's it's very fast. It's it's actually described as the fastest um, outdoor field game in the world. So it's it's definitely a great game for um, for keeping fit and active. Uh, I'm into into running, um, especially since I suppose the start of the lockdowns and things like that. I've definitely gotten into running as as a means of keeping fit because the the sport is kind of interrupted um, at the minute. Apart from sport, um, I also I play guitar. Um, and banjo. No, don't don't ask me to sing. <laughs> that's uh, that's someone else. That's that's someone else's job, not mine. <laughs> um, I have and, a terrible musical ear and have no ability in any of that. Yeah, so I, I suppose we have that in common as well. <laughs> um, and um, I suppose apart from that, I just I enjoy reading. Obviously, being uh, doing the PhD, I'd be reading a lot of um, research papers and things like that, but just um, kind of the media in general and, and things like that. Um, I enjoy keeping on top of it. So, yeah, that's that's kind of all my interests um, outside of the pigs. I suppose anything outdoors is, is a positive as well. Um, I quite enjoy hunting and um, and fishing as well. Um, it's a big pastime of mine during the summer. So, yeah, it's it's, it's very good to and important, I suppose, to, to try and get away from the pigs and, and come back to it refreshed whenever you can. And get away from the computer. So exactly, yeah. <laughs> the screens. Yeah. So zinc oxide's a major change coming on in 2021. I think you know it's going to be a challenge, but an opportunity for the EU to really set the stage and find good solutions. But I was really curious from your standpoint, how do you see the Irish swine industry evolving in the next five to ten years where do you see that going and then where do you see how you fit into that industry yeah so i suppose it's probably going to follow the general trend that's been in in the irish pig industry over the the past number of years insofar as there's there's probably been consolidation in the industry so at the minute there's about 290 commercial farms in ireland i suppose you go back uh, a decade it was probably maybe about four or five hundred uh, commercial farms. So the the number of pigs in Ireland hasn't really uh, dropped off and productivity is increasing the whole time. Um, so the amount of pig meat that we're producing has remained the same, but there's definitely been a, a lot of consolidation in Ireland. The average herd size um, is increasing the whole time as well. So it's currently standing at 831 sows um, here in Ireland, which is is a lot higher than the, the EU average. Um, so again, I suppose this reflects probably consolidation that's gone in the industry in the past couple of years. I think probably where we fit into it and where I see the Irish industry going is a continuous kind of focus on technical efficiency, um, which has been quite evident over the past number of years. So for example, 2019 was the first year that Ireland surpassed uh, 14 piglets born alive uh, per sow uh, per litter. It was always kind of below the 14, um, but this year the Irish average came above that. So I think in terms of that, especially for a producer like us with only 200 sows, we're probably not achieving the economies of scale that that larger pig producers are. 
certainly in Ireland as well, a lot of the larger um, pig producers uh, do home milling, which is probably not an option for us just because of our size. But again, it's it's kind of a continuous focus on cost, doing everything that you can from a, a management point of view to, to keep on top of those as best you can, while also not sacrificing productivity at the same time. Something that's came into my mind is most of that pork you're raising staying in Ireland, or are you exporting any of that? So Ireland is currently 230% self-sufficient in its pork production. So the majority of that uh, pork would be exported so China um, has surpassed the UK as Ireland's um, current most important um, destination for exports. Obviously, with everything going on over the over there, with um, African swine fever has has driven exports here in Ireland. Ireland is definitely a country that's exporting uh, the majority of its pig meat, and also probably something that's on the, the horizon for pig farmers um, here in Ireland is uh, Brexit at the minute. Ireland is sending, the Republic of Ireland sends approximately 10,000 pigs a week and uh, 10,000 pigs a week up to the north of Ireland for slaughter. So you're talking about bones of, of half a million pigs annually going to Northern Ireland for slaughter. There's a lot of work going on between Ireland and the UK at the minute to ensure that that there won't be any kind of breakdown in terms of agricultural commodities and trading between the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. However, it's it's far from certain at the minute. Um, nobody is, is certain exactly what's going to happen. So it's definitely something that, that we have to, to keep in mind and, and keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. So politics doesn't just affect the US, it affects everybody. <laughs> everybody exactly, yeah. <laughs> Now, it's probably a bit more uh, well-documented in the U.S., probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you're going to go back to the piggery and take that over for your father, or are you going to kind of go out in the industry? I suppose it's it's probably something that, as as I said at the start, um, I would always like to, to stay active and involved in the piggery at home. So I suppose ideally um, what I would like to do is, if I could find a job in the research or kind of advisory, uh, side of things, whether it's with um, kind of the, the semi-state body like Chagas or whether it's um, with, with another company in the industry, I would probably like to marry both of them um, if it's possible. So I suppose the weekends or the evenings or whatever um, on the piggery at home, while also kind of staying active in the in the industry um, through either a researcher and advisory role, that would be probably what, what I'd be aiming to do down the line. So this is the time that before we say our goodbyes, I get to turn the table and you get to ask me just about anything you want. I hate to say just about anything, but there may be some things I won't answer. (laughs) I'll I'll give them pig focus, sorry. (laughs) So... I suppose one thing that I'd, I'd really be interested to, to hear your opinion, Casey, is um, we have, um, I suppose, Ireland anyway, a relatively high born alive per sow. We have about 15.2, 15.3 piglets born per sow. And it's something, I suppose, that we find is it just due to the genetics um, from the AI companies that it doesn't seem to be letting up. It just seems to be constantly increasing. We could have 17, 18, 19 piglets born quite commonly from a sow. So I suppose my question is, is there anything in terms of management that you can implement on farm? Probably, I suppose, focusing on maybe the, the sow nutritional wise that you could do to kind of ensure, I suppose, a more uniform um, and viable piglet uh, to be born alive from a sow. Now, are you batch farrowing or continuous farrowing? Uh, we're continuous farrowing at the minute. Okay, because that kind of changes maybe your mindset of how you want to look at that a little bit. But, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, I just had a conversation and I'm going to have a special episode here in the future, kind of looking at milk crates, because this is a question that I got as well out of Zimbabwe 
um, more pigs in the sows can handle and, and how do we react to that and how do we manage that in sow nutrition, obviously she needs to probably become more fortified. And a lot of our research is, well, you know, it didn't really work or we didn't see the economic benefits, but I think, you know, we really need to really look at our vitamins our trace minerals, those micronutrients as long as the same with our amino acids and energy. And we have a lot better models for energy and amino acids, but I think a lot of times we forget the the micronutrients that we need in our sow, sow diet. So I really like, as you push that upper limit to kind of fortify that, you know, and then mm-hmm. start back from the beginning. And, and we had guilt development discussion a couple of weeks ago. So you didn't need to develop her differently. She's a different female. A lot of people like to develop her as a finisher pig and not as mom. And I really think that's where the industry needs to go back. And let's start with that developing guilt and really focus on getting her designed right, developed right and, you know, focus on that. So research, there's always going to be opportunity for research, how to manage that. But as I dealt with larger litters, you know, you have to look at nurse sows and how you're going to cross foster and then start coming into, you know, the milk crate creep feed running up to 28 days. It sounds like you're already using creep feed. So that helps, but it's kind of supplemental milk, you know, looking at those rescue decks, milk crate opportunities there to, to wean more pigs effectively and, and, and stuff. And then, you know, I think the sow's ever changing and, you know, having enough teats is really important as well. And when you're genetically selecting, it sounds like everything's internal for you. So maybe mm-hmm. that's a real driver of selecting a guilt that she has more teats and can raise more. So I think it's a balance between sound nutrition management. And of course, how much labor do you put into it and costs to offset that is, as you know, everybody's economic model is going to be a little different. So there's Mm -hmm. opportunities, you know, I think throughout that, but as we get more pigs in the sows can raise, I think artificial milk again is something we really need to look at. And a lot of producers don't like to do that, especially in the U.S. on a very large scale system, 2,000 sows or more, it's difficult to implement. But somebody mm-hmm. with 200 sows, you may be more effective at managing that and using that as a strategy. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for that. I suppose one other question I have, Casey, is um, I'd be quite interested to hear, is there any, I suppose, legislation or is it anything being talked about um, at a kind of a government level over in the U.S. in terms of antibiotic reduction or, or zinc oxide reduction is there plans in place or is it just something that's kind of being observed at the minute there is legislation we as producers decided to go voluntarily get rid of growth promoting antibiotic use and now we only have therapeutic or treatment use of antibiotics in our feed and in our system so that's changed a lot of how to implement vfds or prescription type of strategies with antibiotics we are looking for alternatives. We're being more pushed from the consumer side of things than we are regulatory on these items. But I think that's the biggest difference where we're getting to the same point as Europe and the U S is, but our consumers are demanding less antibiotics. So there is a lot more systems becoming raised without antibiotics, but then I'm not sure how it's going to shake out with the whole California issue at the moment of the sow crate issues and, 
in, you know, I think that's going all the way up to the Supreme Court, probably by the time we have a decision on fair trade and how our constitution mm-hmm. set up with trade between states and in barriers to that. So that's an ongoing issue from a, you know, a management standpoint, but on the zinc issue, it's been a passion of mine. I'm sure you're aware of some of the research I've done, but we're not getting pushed by our EPA or anything to change that. But we do have initiatives by the pork producers association or pork board that we want to reduce our emissions or even become carbon neutral in the next 20 to 30 years. So Mm -hmm. I think we just go about it in a different way than, you know, we choose to do this. We're more consumer driven to make these decisions rather than being forced to do it. And I think sometimes I won't say that's a better opportunity uh, than, than being forced to do this and and play your hand because some of these tools are valuable and, and every solution is not the best for every, you know, each producer. So it's gotta be, you know, a plan for them and how to get there. And and some may focus more on the sow housing consumer. Some may focus on the antibiotic free production system for those consumers. And then we just have the cheap commodity type pork that other producers may focus on. And so I think there's markets for all of those, but um, I think, you know, long-term our antibiotic use is going to go down. I'd like to say my industry is going to look at the alternatives of zinc oxide because, you know, my work and my research kind of indicate there are strategies to, to do that. But like you said, it's, you know, there's also, as we get rid of antibiotics and even zinc welfare issues that we have to start thinking of. And Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, we give antibiotics to animals because we care about them and their welfare. And So it's a hard line for me on a lot of those changes is balancing welfare with the consumer demands as well, especially when our consumers don't understand what we do anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think coming from a country like Ireland where typically everyone was at least at some stage either living on a farm or born on a farm or they had relatives with farms and things like that. It's it's definitely becoming a lot more kind of urbanized. So we are kind of losing that that link with the consumer slightly, even in a country like kind of so focused on agriculture as Ireland. And I think probably a lot of it is is just getting the, the story and kind of the correct information out there to the consumer so that we can kind of tell our story to them um, and and how production practices are improving and, and what we're trying to do to, to I suppose, meet their, their expectations. Well, awesome. I really thank you for being on our show today and I hopefully we'll have you back in the future. Thanks very much, Casey. Really appreciate it and best to look at it in the future. Before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, the Sunswine Group, NutriSign, Swine Nutrition Management, and Pig Progress. And don't forget, if you get a chance today, hug a pig for me.